The sun is setting over summer sports, and on episode 54 of the Gem of the Queen's Crown, I'll catch you up on local Sunday sports. That's right, it's an update episode. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast talking local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcasts for every available platform. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. And now for our host, Lee W. Mowen. Before we begin episode 54, just a couple things I like to touch up on. First up, if you use any of the platforms to listen to this podcast and you see duplicates, well, that's because I had a fiddle with the feed RSS. It's now a new feed, so all you see is the episode name and the number of it, of course, instead of the gem on the Queen's Qu- I did that mainly so... It'd be easier to see on Apple Podcasts and everything. So hopefully, I didn't screw all the platforms up. I checked Apple Podcasts. It looked okay. But like I said, the RSS feed's a little different because of the fact that I wanted it to not say the Gem of the Queen's Crown every episode so you can figure out which episode you were listening to. Isn't that great? Second up... I was just on the Donut Bag podcast with Twitter user Joey Bag of Donuts and future guest on this podcast. Spoilers! So visit the Donut Bag on Twitter and you can listen to episode two. I have a talk with Joey about the Cincinnati Bengals and the AFC North. I hope it sounded okay. I listened to it. I didn't sound that bad in my opinion. But at the same time... Give it a listen. Joey's a good guy, and it's a good podcast. So, let's begin. Like I said, summer sports are ending, with the exception of baseball. That goes on for another month or so. Uh, Two months if you're in the MLBs, and one whole month and a couple days in September if you're in the minors. So, let's start with soccer, because I always do baseball first, I think. Maybe I do soccer first. I don't know. I'm choosing to do soccer first. So as you might know, the Dayton Dutch Lions did finish first in the USLPDL Great Lakes Division. They defeated Cincinnati on the road 4 nothing to punch their first playoff trip in the USLPDL. And the first playoff trip since 2013 in the USL Pro. That's the USL nowadays. Fell to FC United, a squad out of the Chicago, Illinois area, 5-3, to three, despite having a 3-1 to one lead at the half. And that was Jackson Dietrich with the last Dayton Dutch Lion goal in the season. Current Wright State Raider. Still can't believe college sports are starting very, very soon, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Dayton finished 8 wins, 3 losses, and 3 draws for 27 points. One point ahead of second place Lansing United. Went a very pristine five wins, two draws on the road. Road Warriors were these Dutch Lions. Like I mentioned, made the PDL playoffs the first time ever. All but three, four seasons. Dayton's been a member of the PDL. In those four other seasons, they're a member of the USL Pro. Like I mentioned, the old name of the USL. 
Dayton fell to a very tough FC United squad who actually took down previously undefeated Des Moines and the Menace, one nothing, two events to the semis, but they fell on the 28th to Foothills FC U23. That's a club out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, 1-0 to end their season. So FC United got to the semis, but Dayton, great season, and Coach Grice got his Dutch Lions playing quite well throughout the year. And if you follow Dayton Dutch Lion on Twitter, you will see the top moments of 2018. Very successful season. Congrats go out to Coach Grice, Coach Gordon, and Coach Terrell, and all the Dutch Lions involved this year. It was a lot of fun being the guest announcer for the Dayton versus Michigan home match, which was a 2-2 draw at West Carrollton. It was nice getting to summer soccer this year. So Dayton went 8-3-3. Cincinnati went 6-4-4. That's wins, losses, and draws. 22 points, a tie for third place with the Michigan Bucks. Cincinnati had one game left after their 4-0 defeat at home against Dayton. And technically, we're still alive. But with Lansing's win at Dayton, a 3-0 win for Lansing United, Cincinnati was eliminated from postseason play. Really strong season for Coach Paul Nicholson, his first year as the head coach of the Dutch Lions, former FC Cincinnati defender. Like I said, 6-4-4, 22 points. 3-3 tie with Michigan to close up 2018. Good season for Cincinnati as well. An unbeaten streak at 7, and very, very strong competition. So congrats go out to both Dutch Lions squads and hope to see you all in 2019. So now let's talk about the Cincinnati Sirens. It's a team that I like to bring updates to, but in a couple of the summer update episodes, I haven't been able to, so I do apologize on that. But the Sirens went 5-3 and three on the year, eight games in the regular season, five wins, three losses, zero draws. Fishing fourth out of nine teams in the Ohio Valley Conference of the WPSL. Went two and two at Lakota West. That's their home. They beat the Empire Revs seven nothing and Steel City FC four to two. Fell to the Columbus Eagles three nothing via forfeit because if you remember, I forget which episode it was, but there was no home trainer. So since they had to give that game up to the Columbus Eagles. And FC Pride was a loss 2-1 to one at home. Last game was July the 1st. Like I said, I'm sorry for the updates here and there. WPSL season goes just like that. You think the PDL season is quick, which it, it kind of is. WPSL season, eight weeks, and bam, it's gone. So congrats to the Sirens on their season. Played hard, 5-3 and three record, pretty strong season for Cincinnati. And now we talk about FC Cincinnati. They're currently in first place in the Eastern Conference of the USL. A 13-3-5 record, that's wins, losses, and draws with 44 points. Very exciting times at FC Cincinnati. As I mentioned numerous times, next year will be the first year in the MLS. And in a couple seasons, we'll have the new Stargell Stadium be the host to FC Cincinnati, currently at Nippert Stadium, home of the UC Bearcats. 
Like I mentioned, 13 wins, 3 losses, and 5 draws for FC Cincinnati. 4 wins and a draw in their last 5 in USL play. Did fall in a friendly 3-2. And currently hold a 6-point lead over the 2nd place Charleston Battery, 10-3-8. In 3rd place, Louisville City FC, 10-4-5 for 35 points. 4th place, just a point behind 3rd place Louisville City, is the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. The USL affiliate of the Columbus Crew, 9-3-7 is Pittsburgh. New York Red Bulls 2, 8-6-8. Eight, eight. Cincinnati had a season sweep against the second squad of the Red Bulls. Indy 11 in 6th place, 9-7-4. Nashville SC is 8-6-6. Six and, six. and Charlotte would be the last playoff team of the season ended today at 7-8-7 seven, seven for 28 points. There is a bit of a log jam looking for the bubble spot, or the 8th place spot, I guess. You have a tie for 27 points, Ottawa Fury and the Bethlehem Steel. The Fury are 8-9-3 in 20 games. Bethlehem Steel FC is 7-9-6. Bethlehem has played two more games than Ottawa has. You have two, make it three teams, tied for 26 points. North Carolina FC, 7-8-5, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, 7-8-5, and, and Penn FC, the former Harrisburg City Islanders, are 6-6-8. Six, six, so all three of those 26-point teams have played 20. The Richmond Kickers have 18 points for 14th place at 5-11-3. The second squad of Atlanta United at 3-11-6. And, and in last place, 16th place in the East, Toronto FC 2, 1, 15, and 3. Looking at the West real quick, the Real Monarchs SLC 14, 5, and 2 to lead the West. They got 44 points as well. In their last five, they're 2, 2, and 1. Phoenix Rising FC, I like that name, Phoenix Rising, 11, 5, and 5 for second place. Orange County SC in third in the West at 11, 6, and 4. Reno 1868 FC 104 and 7, the Sacramento Republic FC at 105 and 7 for fifth place at 37 points tied with Reno. The second squad, the Portland Timbers at 109 and 2 and 6, Swope Park Rangers, which I never did learn if it's Swope or Swope. It looks like Swope, but it is Swope. I think I did that joke the last update episode. I'm sorry about that, but seventh place, nine, seven, and five are the Rangers. And in eighth place, one point ahead of the bubble, San Antonio FC, eight, five, and seven. Underneath the playoff line, Fresno FC, like I mentioned, one point behind San Antonio FC at seven, seven, and nine. The Colorado Springs Switchbacks FC, eight, twelve, and four. St. Louis FC, at 6, 6, and 8, OKC Energy FC at 6, 11, and 5, Las Vegas Lights FC, 6, 9, and 5, Rio Grande Valley at 3, 6, and 11, that's 11 draws for the 14th place team with 20 points in the West, LA Galaxy 2 at 5, 11, and 4, Seattle Sounders FC 2 at 4, 13, and 2, and in 17th place in the West, the Tulsa Roughnecks FC at 1, 9, and 10. For 13 points. That's your look at the USL. There is bigger news to talk about FC Cincinnati. Alan Koch has signed an extension until 2020, meaning he will be the manager in charge of the MLS side. 
unless something happens between then and next season, which anything could happen. It's sports. And also, the first MLS signings are rumored to be leaked out. Fernando Aldi and Fatai Alashi, hopefully I'm saying those right, are going to be joining the team, I think this year, I believe. They'll be part of the USL side and then part of the MLS side next year. Addy is 27 years old. He's six foot four, member of the first MOS team back with the Portland Timblers FC. Also a decorated goal scorer for the MLS side. And Alashi is a former San Jose Earthquake. That's two big signings and two big players with experience playing the MLS. So those are some good signings. Good start to the MLS side for FC Cincinnati. And that covers the summer soccer side of things. FC Cincinnati still with a boatload to go. In fact, we'll pull up the schedule. I don't think the season ends until October. That's the thing with USL. You play, you play until, let's say October. Maybe it's September. Last game is Saturday, October 13th at First Tennessee Park at Nashville SC. Last home game is Saturday, September 29th, as FC Cincinnati scores up with Indy 11 at Nippert Stadium. Like I mentioned, you play for a long, long time, and there's still quite a solid chunk of games to go. Your next game in the USL is at Nippert, Saturday, August 4th, as FC Cincinnati hosts Nashville SC. So doing a quick countdown... Thirteen matches left for FC Cincinnati in the USL. That isn't including playoffs. FC Cincinnati currently in the driver's seat in the East, but thirteen matches, anything can happen out there. And while we're still talking on the subject of soccer, next Friday is the first women's soccer exhibition. And if you're a Dayton or Wright State fan, I highly suggest coming out to Bojan Field as it's Raiders and Flyers, women's soccer style. First time in quite a while, I think a couple years. Wright State, Dayton, my personal belief is they need to play in everything. Now, of course, I know there's people that don't agree with that, and that's, that's fine. I don't talk on this podcast, so you 1,000% agree with me. That's fine. But I feel like Wright State and Dayton, the rivalries need to kick back up. You got baseball and softball. Let's, I want to see soccer get back into it. Men's soccer, women's soccer. It's an exhibition match, meaning it's for pretty much getting your players out there and making sure you have your 2018 ducks in a row. That's a lot of ducks, but what I meant is, you know, have your squads ready. I think you knew what I meant, but there's that. So, yeah, Wright State at Dayton next Friday at 7. Get your buns down to Bojan Field and enjoy soccer. You won't regret it. Now let's talk baseball, the pastime of America. We'll start with... The Cincinnati Reds, because I think I start with the Dragons all the time. We'll start with the Reds. Currently 10 games under 500 at 48 and 58. Fairly successful homestand. They did get swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates and 
Did Pittsburgh just come out on fire after the All-Star break or what? They took the first five in a row against Ohio opponents, went five and six, or five and one, excuse me, in six games against Ohio opponents in Cincinnati and Cleveland. The Reds, however, took three of four from first place Philadelphia in the NL East, two of three from St. Louis. So a fairly successful homestand for Cincinnati. Currently, the Reds are ten and a half games out of a wild card spot in the NL Central, and currently five and a half back of fourth place Pittsburgh. Reds have won three in a row. Currently 26 and 31 at home and 22 and 27 on the road. That's very even. Both under five games under 500 for home and road. Don't see that too often. The Reds will take a break today, the 30th, the day I'm recording this, and they'll head to Detroit tomorrow to take on the Tigers at 710 for some interleague play. Most people don't like interleague. I like it. It's different. I know it's probably not as special just because of the fact the only interleague play you got before 97. little thing called the World Series and the All-Star game, I guess, but that's All-Stars, not, you know, interleague opponents. Like I said, Reds are at Detroit tomorrow, the 31st. Currently 10 games under 500, an elimination number of 44, which is not the lowest number in the NL. You have Miami at 44 and the Mets at 46. You have San Diego at 38, looking at the AL side. 34 for Texas, 33 for Kansas City, and 15 for Baltimore. Although the Orioles are now 32 and 74, they have won three in a row. The trade deadline is tomorrow, the 31st. You can still trade after that, but it's, you know, you got to go through waivers and everything. It's a little more... It's a little tougher. So the big thing is what to do with the Dark Knight. You put in your DVD player and watch it. Duh. No, that's not the Dark Knight I'm talking about. Hopefully you got to chuckle out of that. Matt Harvey. You know, when I first heard about Matt Harvey signing with the Reds, it was right after a Dayton Flyers baseball game. And I wasn't sure how it was going to fare. Now that I know that Harvey's really kicked butt in Cincinnati, I'm impressed. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to enjoy or what to like. That's not my department. My department is there's sports in Cincinnati and Dayton. Go see them. So that's pretty much all the influencing I try to do. I like Matt Harvey on the Reds. He's done quite well. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. There's talks about re-signing him. I should say signing him back to the Reds for 2019. He's a veteran. He fits the bill well. He's done quite nice in Cincinnati. No drama. Now, you obviously want to get the best components for your team. And the Reds, like I mentioned... They're ten and a half back of a playoff spot, which be a wild card spot. They need a lot of help. There's two whole months to go. Yes, anything can happen. As I said, be neat to see the Reds get a playoff spot after starting three and eighteen, but I don't know if it's gonna happen. I like to see it happen, but I don't know. 
like I mentioned, Reds are 10 games back, and actually, I did a boo-boo on here. I said five and a half back of the Pirates. No, that's six and a half back of third place Pittsburgh, fourth place St. Louis. That's five and a half back. How did I mess that one up? I'm not sure. I'm sorry, folks. Back to Matt Harvey. I don't know. The Reds are pulling to keep Harvey after the trade deadline. I know there's some fans that would like to see it happen, and there's other fans that hope the Reds don't sit on their hands during the trade deadline. Try to get some pieces for 2019 so you don't have to stay in rebuild or remodel, whatever you like to say, and go get in 2019. Have a brand new manager, have a brand new attitude, keep your hitting core fairly intact, I don't know. I don't know if Matt Harvey's going to bring a lot back for the Reds. I heard there's not a lot of interest. Most teams will look at Harvey as a fourth or fifth starter, third at the highest. I'm not a trade expert. I'm not a scout. I'm a fan of sports around here, and I want what's best for the Reds. If the Reds feel like keeping Harvey is the best then I'll go along with it. If the Reds feel like trading Harvey to get pieces, I'll go along with that as well. So it'll be interesting to see the next two days, and then I look at my phone after getting done recording this podcast episode and see that there's trades. I'm like, son of a gun. So that's your Reds. Now let's talk about the Dragons. Dragons are 18-18 and in the second half. They're currently leading the second-half playoff chase. They're second place in the Midwest League, but Bowling Green's in first, and you don't get double halves if you win the first and then you win the second. It doesn't work like that. There's some leagues that do that, and you just skip to the semifinals, but it's not like that in the Midwest League. So Dayton would have the second-half winner of the season ended today, and behind the Dragons would be the Cleveland single-A affiliate and the captains of Lake County at 17-18. and 18. Dayton, 18-18 and 18 so far. And currently a successful homestand with two games to go. Tonight and tomorrow, the 31st, Dayton will host the Lugnuts of Lansing. Took two of three from a very young Fort Wayne tin cap squad. And I mean, this is probably the youngest team you'll ever see in the minors. Fort Wayne, a single-A affiliate of San Diego. And I think they've been like that since 99. I feel like the Twins were first with the Fort Wayne Wizards because they were formerly the Kenosha Twins before 93. And they had Wayne the Wizard who... The mascot suit was creepy. The logo, you had a wizard, and then 99, I think, they changed it to a dragon. I think it was 99. Not sure. Probably should have looked that up. It doesn't matter. What matters is two or three, and also there's a new era in Fort Wayne tin cap jersey history. You see, Fort Wayne tin caps have this unique font, and it looks like metal patched. The numbers are hard to read, and every time Fort Wayne's in town, I feel stupid because I can't tell what the numbers are. Fort Wayne got new jerseys in the middle of the season, and their away jerseys now read Fort, you know, Fort Wayne, and they're the only Fort in the Midwest League, so, you know, there's that. The numbers aren't that, you know, metal font. I once described it on Twitter as kind of like a Super Mario Kart 
font, which, nah, it's not quite like that. You see, because that font's legible, Fort Wayne's is really tough to read. Got new home jerseys, new away jerseys, and new batting practice jerseys with the same blockish font for the numbers. And they also got cursive on their batting practice ones. Fort Wayne and Tin Caps in kind of like an apple cursive. Look it up. I, I promise they're nice. The home jerseys still keep the Tin Caps in that metal font. However, they got rid of the green pinstripes and their numbers are legible. So. Yay. Dragons took two of three from Fort Wayne after starting the homestand, losing to the Tin Caps 12-0. The next two games, much, much better. These Dragons are pitching much better in the second half, with the exception of Wednesday's game. Hamilton native Patrick McGuff, former Big Blue and former Tartan Pride of Sinclair, he gave up his first unearned run on a pass ball and then gave up three earned runs to leave the game. His ERA stands at 1.81, I believe, and he's pitching tonight against the Lugnuts. i like to see how he rebounds. So far in his first three starts, he has made it to five, tried to go six in his last, but was pulled with no one out and tin caps at the corners. So he gets the start tonight against the Lugnuts, who in the second half haven't been as strong as they were in the first half, have a couple new names in first baseman Chad's Banberger, uh, part of that trade to push, I believe it's the J.A. Happ trade to the Yankees. I believe that's the trade that sent Spanberger to eventually Lansing, who's the single A of the Blue Jays. And like I mentioned, Fort Wayne, single A of the Padres. Currently, they've split the series so far against the Lugnuts. Lansing came back 5-4 in the first game of the series. Yesterday, Dayton took it 8-2, to and tonight, like I mentioned, Patrick McGuff goes for the Dayton Dragons. Some other news on the homestand. You know, I talk about this in the official scorer's room. I swear the stadium record's at 105, thanks to Aroas Trapman. And I guess I'm wrong, because Hunter Green broke the record. 102 miles per hour, leaving the hands of Green into the mitt. I believe it was Colesbury catching that night. Mark Colesbury, member of the 2017 Florida Gators National Champs baseball team. 102 miles per hour. Green and Anuri's Zabala, which, by the way, sorry, Zabala, for saying your name wrong when you were acquired by the Reds. They threw 101. Both those gentlemen, right-handers, both of them can bring the heat. However, Zabala's on the DL. And hopefully he gets off soon, because Zabala is... He's a pretty good pitcher. So Green, 102 miles per hour, reading up on the video board and on the sideboards, too. It's neat to see records fall. Last year was the time that Jose Siri, now with Pensacola, I believe, he broke the all-time consecutive hitting streak in the Midwest League, a record held since the 1970s. That's how long the record stayed. Made it to... Did he make it to 40? I think he made it to 40, and then... Had a rough night, then was walked in his last at-bat, and the Boo Birds came. 
that game against Great Lakes. That game, <laughs> it's tough. So the Dragons, 18 and 18. I can't believe the season's almost over. You got two games left in July. I think they're off the first day of August, and then they're on the road for two weeks. Your next home game after this homestand won't be until the middle of August. So come out, see the Dayton Dragons. Good seats are available, and this Dragons team is not bad. The only big thing is the hitting's kind of inconsistent now. It was the pitching that was, you know... Their ERA was dead last in the Midwest League in the first half. Now it's it's solid. Although in the Midwest League, everyone's having a good pitching month. So now we talk about summer baseball. But what have you been talking about? I've been talking about majors and minor league. This is summer baseball, collegiate summer baseball. And we'll start with the Great Lakes League. Season ended yesterday. Like I mentioned, Great Lakes League, you snap your thumb and bam, it, the season's over. You have six teams in the playoffs. From the north, you have the ho 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 Green Giants of St. Clair, Canada. You have the Lima Locals and the Sugar Beets of Saginaw, Michigan. In the south, you have the Copperheads of Southern Ohio, the Cincinnati Steam, and the Hamilton Joes. The six teams that play on... We'll start off with a play-in game. Win and you're in, and lose and you're done. You have Saginaw at Lima and Hamilton at Cincinnati. And the winner of the Sugar Beets and Locals and Joes at Steam game will advance to play. If you're from the north, St. Clair. You'll be at St. Clair on August 1st and the 3rd if needed. And St. Clair will travel to whoever wins on the 2nd. Lima would be a bigger trip for St. Clair compared to Saginaw. And in the south, Cincinnati and Hamilton's winner will be at Athens, Ohio. That's the home of the Copperheads, or the Cheds, as the graphics always said. I, I just love the fact that it's called Cheds. Copperheads, you know, like the snake. Not sure how much that got picked up in the pop filter, but there you go. You'll be at Southern Ohio on the 1st and the 3rd if needed, and the Copperheads, which I typed in Cooperheads on the uh, the outline I do, fantastic, on the 2nd. Uh, it's Copper, not Cooperheads. What is a Cooperhead? I don't know. The winner of the best of three series will play for the championship, North v. South. First game is August the 4th, and there's a travel day for August 5th, if the teams are fairly close, let's say Lima, Cincinnati, or Hamilton. If it's on I-75, that's not a bad travel day. You'll play the second game on the fifth. If you're talking St. Clair, it's Southern Ohio, you will have a travel day on the fifth. Second game could be the fifth or the sixth. Like I mentioned, last game is scheduled for August 7th, and then you'll have the champion. Which you can follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and I'll retweet that. It's hard to believe we're already in the playoffs at Great Lakes. Hard to believe that Wednesday is August. I know someone tweeted that. I forget who. It was a viral tweet. We got like 26,987,000,000 likes and half of the relikes. You know what I'm talking about. That's, that's a lot of likes. That's a lot of watts. What? 
Never mind. So that's your Great Lakes talk. Now we talk Prospect League talk. Prospect League's getting a new team next year. It'll be in the West. It's the Cape Catfish. Cape Gerardu. Gerardu? Gerardu? I'm not sure how to say that, to be honest. It's, um, you know where Southeast Missouri State is? The Red Hawks in the Ohio Valley Conference, NCAA Division I. It's there. Kapala Field looks nice. Looks all turf. Kind of like Wright State's. I think the mound might be turf too, though. That's the only difference. So your prospect league season still has a couple games to go, but the end of the season is in a couple days. If I pull the handy-dandy slider on prospectleague.com, I can tell you the last games are scheduled for August the 3rd. So yeah, playoffs coming to the Prospect League soon. Your two local Sunday sport teams in the Prospect, Chilla Coffee, which I know is Central Ohio, but shut up. Paints are 31 and 23, second place, one and a half games behind the Jackrabbits of Kokomo, not to be fused with Kokomo from the Beach Boys and John Stamos. Champion City in Springfield, Ohio, currently in fourth place, 23 and 29. And the West, Terre Haute is 33-22, Danville 31-22, Quincy 30-25. So the playoffs will start soon. It looks like Chilla Coffee's got a shot. I don't think Champion City will be able to leapfrog Chilla Coffee, West Virginia, and Kokomo. But solid season for the Kings, six games under 500, winners of two in a row and four of their last ten. For Chilla Coffee, seven of the last ten have been wins. The Paints have rattled off a four-game winning streak. Thursday is a very big event for yours truly, as it's the Bob Ross Classic. And no, it's not the painter. It's not Bob Ross painting, you know, all these seniors playing baseball. Although, that'd be cool. I miss Bob Ross. I, I used to watch Bob Ross and the Joy of Painting when I was a kid. And it's on Netflix and Hulu. At least I think it's still on Netflix. Hulu's weird because they add ads. And remember, the Joy Painting was on PBS. Therefore, no ads during the show. Seeing ads in the middle of the Joy Painting's weird. And I don't fully recommend it on Hulu. But it's it's there if you want to watch it. It's also on YouTube and Twitch. Anyway... Bob Ross is a local car dealership in the southern Dayton area. And for the past few years, I forget how many years, I think. Is this the ninth? Eighth? The best high school seniors in the area, the 2019 class, will get a chance to play at Fifth Third Field on Thursday. It's free baseball. Just show up to Fifth Third Field. I think there's a couple concessions open. And gates open at 6. And this will be my second year as the public address announcer. It's good baseball, good kids playing, and the Miami Valley is well represented in this classic. The Bob Ross Classic is this Thursday. I'll probably have a Periscope stream or video, you know, showing me PAing, you know, because everyone wants to see that. And the last thing in summer sports... Did you know there's a team in Cincinnati called the Flying Pigs? I certainly didn't, and I wish someone would have told me that. 
Yes, it's the Cincinnati Flying Pigs, a senior A-slash-B box lacrosse club in the Interstate Box Lacrosse Association in the RBLL Ohio Division. And they're currently in the playoffs. They're taking on fellow Ohio foe in the Columbus Crows. If you don't know about Cincinnati, Flying Pigs is kind of a big deal. It's not quite like the WKRP in Cincinnati line. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. I love that line. I love that episode. It's one of the 22 available on Hulu if you like old shows. I remember as a kid, my mom taking me down to Cincinnati, various spots in the Queen City, and we saw all the flying pigs. I think there was one at the Kenwood Town Center. There was one at Hyde Park. I feel like there was one by the river. There's one by U.S. Bank Arena. They're still there in a Cyclones jersey with a tooth painted out hockey helmet and a hockey stick. I love that one. That one's pretty cool. Anyway... There's a little history behind that, but we won't go into that. The Pigs play at Sports Plus, which is the former Hills Department store in... Is that Sharonville? It's off US 42, just south of 275. I guess it is Sharonville. Five bucks for tickets. That's not bad. You can see lacrosse. However, Cincinnati is down 2 nothing in the playoff series versus the Crows of Columbus, like I mentioned. Lost by one at the Ice House, which is that little rink attached to Nationwide Arena in downtown Columbus. And they fell by a couple to Columbus at Sports Plus the other day. How did I not know about the Cincinnati Flying Pigs? I'm mad at myself on that. I feel like I know a lot. Uh, Not everything. Not everything. Don't think I know everything, because I don't. I feel like I know a lot, but there's always something that surprises me. I turn the page, and then I find... Look at this. That's cool. So yeah, Cincinnati Flying Pigs. I'm glad there's a team that's called the Flying Pigs in Cincinnati. To close out episode 54, I'd like to talk about fall sports starting a little bit. Holy dip, today is the first day for practices in Ohio high school sports. Wow. That's all I can really say is wow. Still planning on having a big high school football and high school soccer episode. That'll be the week of the 24th, I think. So hopefully I get all my ducks in line. Thank you to everyone that's helped me with stations to listen to and everything. I'll need social media follows, so if you know any, send them my way. I, I'm, I'm still kind of shocked in the fact that... Hey... False sports are happening. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still flabbergasted. And lastly, I'd like to talk a little bit about plans for year number two of the Gem on the Queen's Crown. I want more interviews. I want more people into the podcast. I have the technology. I can talk to more people. The first year, I feel like my interviews were pretty good. I wanted to tell people's stories, or I wanted the people to tell their stories through the podcast, and I feel like I did an okay job on that. But this year, I want more stories. I want more people involved on the podcast. And hopefully, episode 55 is a very special one. Knock on wood. Pray for me that it happens. I don't know if that's going to pick up. I just knocked on wood. Episode 55 is supposed to be a very big interview, and hopefully it goes according to plan tomorrow. And if it does, it'll be released on Wednesday. So, 
cross your fingers on that. I'm hoping I get it done. But more interviews, more platforms. I know there's been a couple. And again, if you're experiencing weirdness on a platform with it having duplicates, I'm sorry. I'm not quite sure how to fix it, but I checked Apple Podcasts. It seems to be okay on there. Again, you can find all the links on the leewmallon.com slash podcasts. They're all there with the exception of YouTube. Converting audio into video is a very, very long process, and then putting them onto YouTube is about three times that. So I don't know if I'll ever get all my podcasts up on YouTube. I hope so, but don't hold your breath for the immediate future. Episode 54. We'll wrap up shortly. I do want to talk a little bit more. Um, it's really been a treat to do this podcast. I, I've, I'm really excited to get to the microphone and do these. And hopefully you have the excitement that you listen in and either you're educated or you're, you know, you're entertained. So more interviews, more interesting episodes. It's what I like to plan. I have a bucket list of interviews I like to get done. Not sure if I'll get them done, but we'll see. Like I said, episode 55, don't want to spoil it, but if it does happen tomorrow, it's a big one. And I think you'll enjoy it very, very much. Again, please visit on Twitter the Donut Bag to listen to episode 2. I'm there talking about Cincinnati Bengals and the AFC North with... A good Twitter friend and good guy in general, Joey Bag of Donuts, and of is O-V, not O-F. Joey Bag of Donuts on Twitter. Great podcast called The Donut Bag. I'm on episode two. Go listen to it if you like. And that will close out episode 54. You can follow me on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon or Gem on Queen Crown. Like the Facebook page. And also, please... Give me a review on iTunes. I just got my first review about a year after I started this podcast. Someone said I was a great host. I I was uh, really thrilled to hear that because sometimes I, I feel like I'm not and I feel like I ramble on. But if you feel up to it, give me a review on Apple Podcasts. The links are all available on my website, theleadwmallon.com. Then click on Podcast, and there you go. There's your whole kit and caboodle. That's episode 54 of the Gem and the Queen's Crown. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Gem and the Queen's Crown. Closing theme provided by Roy Matz at RoyMatz.com. For every available platform to listen to the podcast, please visit theleewmallon.com slash podcast. For podcast updates, like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. On Twitter, follow the podcast at Gem on Queen Crown and the host at the Lee W. Mallon.